Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Are you on? <laughs> it looks like we're live on the show. Sorry, guys, we're having as usual our weekly uh, our weekly fun with the uh, getting the guest on the phone line at the same time as is getting everything going. So we will. Uh, I'm going to give another try to Esteban. Hold on just a second here, folks. Can you hear us okay? Well, I think we got everybody on now. Esteban, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Can you hear me okay? Fantastic. We, uh, you know, it never fails with this podcast. We always have this fun uh, chasing the phone numbers at the beginning of the call. So um, someday we'll be big and famous and we'll have some audio technician to take care of this. But meanwhile, it's just little old us. <laughs> Well, welcome aboard, sir. Um, we usually start out the show um, just by kind of talking through, introducing you to to the marketing tech blog audience, uh, and then um, and hearing a little bit more about your background, and then uh, and then we talk about some you know direct strategies, uh, and then after that, um, you know we get into the guts of you know how people can get a hold of you and and what kind of services that you offer and what you know, what businesses you might be promoting and speaking and all of that stuff. So if you want, if you want to just start out with, um, you know, how, how do people know you and, and, and how did you get your name in the industry? Okay. So you want to, you want to start now then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, my, you know, my name is Esteban Kolsky. That's the easy part. I, uh, I've been, uh, Working with customer strategies, or what I call customer strategies, that we formerly call customer service or CRM, social customers, things like that, for 20, for 25 years. I've been a consultant. I've been a practitioner, which is what we call the people that actually do the work instead of talking about it or looking at other people do it. Um, and I've been, for the last 15 years, an analyst. I, I, my name started to get recognition when I joined Gardner. Um, I was with Gardner from the year 2000 through 2008, and uh, I was in the CRM practice at probably the hottest time for CRM. Uh, we grew from about four analysts to probably close to 50 at the peak of the practice in a very short time, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, I learned how to be an analyst, the good and the bad. And when I left Gardner, I... Uh, Thought that I wanted to go back to do consulting, but it turns out that I didn't. It turns out that I wanted to be an independent analyst. Uh, at least that's what the market told me. And now I ended up the last three and a half years or so, since uh, early 2009, um, I've been doing uh, my my own company as an independent analyst. And I basically focus on the same concept that I that I did before. And I work with uh, both vendors as well as end users to help them understand the market, where it's going, where it's come from. Um, the different issues and uh, how to make things work better. And it, and it seems that you're really on the leading edge of uh, not just CRM anymore, but the entire kind of social business and social CRM scene that, that is really, really starting to surface and and take off. Can you talk a little bit about 
um, you know, the changes that you're seeing? Obviously, you know, customer relationship management, you know, uh, you know, the groundwork is there, and businesses absolutely understand that they need to, you know, keep this information so that they can act on it more intelligently for their customers. But now, how is how is that changing with social really getting into the scene? Well, if you really look at it from the objective point of view and, and you try to step away from the hype of the world has changed, uh, paradigm shift, uh, revolution, and so forth, um, what you're going to see is two, two things that happen. Number one, um, the customer and the consumer has changed in the last few years. They have more tools available. They have more connectivity. They have uh, more availability of uh, power and knowledge, and that's shifting the power balance between the company and the customer and the company and the consumer, and that's that's a very important step. Now, the second part that changed is that organizations in the last two or three years realized that this was uh, past just a, a simple fad. I mean, we had things that this happened before. You may recall uh, Second Life, MySpace, where they were basically um, pretty hot for a while, but then they disappear. Uh, what we find in the last few years is that this time these technologies, these tools, these new channels are here to stay. So what we've been doing for the last two or three years is say, okay, first step, you know, don't panic. This is not a revolution. This is not a paradigm shift. This is not a change in the way, the way you, you do business. This is just another evolution in business that is actually more focused on the customer. Step two, let's focus on everything that we have done in the last few years with customers and what we learned from that. And step three is let's merge these two concepts into social CRM, not being, uh, 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 you know, rip off your entire CRM system and build something new on top, but rather take your CRM system and figure out how you can actually extend it to take advantage of the social channel, to take advantage of the social customer, the social consumer. And that's really it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's that we're just adding more channels to both listen to people and to, and to bring them into those conversations uh, and act on it, right? It's, it's, I mean, the activity on the end about what, how you're dealing with customers and what your strategy hasn't really changed it's just that now we have another input to that data. It, it is. You know, there, there's, there's a few more things. I mean, it, it would be too simplistic. And we did say this at the beginning. I mean, four or five years ago when we first started to notice the changes, we said, hey, you know what, this is just more channels. And, and we, we, got, we got inundated by the social media gurus, most of who don't exist anymore, by the way, um, by saying this is not just another change. This is something different. This is a revolution. The customer is in control, blah, blah, blah. And, and we kept saying, you know what, this is so, so just another channel. Treaty is another channel. But we did learn a few more things in the process. I mean, in the last three, four years, you know, maybe two to four years, we learned that there's more value to the data that we capture from social channels than the value that we capture in other, in other ways. We learned that uh, even though the concept big data doesn't really apply, there is a lot of noise out there. I mean, I would call it big noise more than big data. There's a lot of noise being produced, and there's value if you actually figure a way to process that, to filter, and get some some interesting, actionable insights out of that. So what we, what we said is that we, we said there's a two-step process here. So, you know, first, figure out these are additional channels, and, and that, that's not going to change. But second, what's the value that they bring? And the value that they bring is, you know, twofold. They bring a lot of interesting data that is actually more truthful than data we collected it before from customers, and they also bring, you know, that, that can be used once analyzed to create um, um, actionable insights. And, and they also bring, you know, much more interesting profile and, and, and social graph information that we figure how to use. We can create a better relationship with our customers. So it's not only about the data. It's not only about the channels. It's a combination of both, and that's what we actually focus in. When we talk about social business, social CRM, it's like, you know, how can we leverage all this stuff to make a more, more evolved, better business operate better? And, and I think there was two things that really stood out that you, that you said there. One is, the, the amount of noise has increased substantially. So um, for companies to, to really get intelligent about this, they've got to have the right filters and they've got to have the right tools um, to, to hear what they need to hear. Um, the second one that was interesting that you said is that, that um, social provides a more truthful um, interface with or, or truthful response um, from from the customer, and that's pretty that's pretty intriguing. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, I guess the old way was customer surveys and, you know, customer feedback forms and things like that. Can you talk a little bit more? Is it, is it because people are talking, 
you know, third party about your company where you're hearing more truthful information? Absolutely. So here's, here's the interesting thing. I, I will not claim to have invented surveys or anything close to that. I mean, it's been done for so long, even before I was born. So, But I, but I will claim that I've been working with uh, some sort of customer feedback and service since, since you know, my early 20s when I first started working in, uh, in, in the world. And uh, ever since then, I, I have been both intrigued and ex- spent a lot of time working with service and so forth to the point that in 2001, when I was a gardener, I wrote a research report that I called Customer Feedback Systems, which essentially evolved lately with the help of a couple of the vendors into what became the EFM, the Enterprise Feedback Management Market. So, you know, my my coming into this world of uh, social um, had two two parts of it. I mean, one of them was, you know, the relationship with the customer through a multi-channel infrastructure. And the second one is, like, how can we actually look at social and say, you know, can we use that to augment the profiles, augment the data, augment the information that we get from uh, using using um, um, surveys and, and uh, enterprise feedback management, which already was doing a pretty good job of aggregating data. And when you look at you know what they bring and you compare the data, one thing that you find is that when customers are faced with a survey, with you know wh- whichever method you want, whether it's done online, uh, through an email. Um, you know, a person calling them, somebody meeting them in the street or in the mall, it really doesn't matter. But when they're faced with a survey, there's this uh, psychological aspect of it that that uh, basically unless they have something really, really bad that they want to say, um, their bias tends to be more towards uh, being nice to the to the interviewer. So whether you send an email, go through the website, whatever, if you ask a question, you will get – Higher scores usually that you know what the reality would indicate, and then this is something that has been you know documented and researched for many 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 years. There's books that go back you know 30, 40 years that actually already identified this issue. Um, you know one of the uh, most documented failures of a research group that that actually suffered from this problem was you know the the the, the famous flop of Coke too, which probably hopefully everybody knows by now. So Coca Cola decided they wanted to introduce a new formula. They did all this research group with people, and because people didn't want to say that it was well, horrible, <laughs> they actually gave them higher marks and higher, um, you know, feedback than, than they deserved. And as a result of that, you know, they actually Coca-Cola ended up releasing a product that turned out to be one of the biggest flops in history. And, and you know, this is because psychologically we're inclined to agree with people that are talking to us. We're inclined to agree with people that are asking us questions. And and you know, the, the research indicates also that there's only about a 10 to 15 percent of people that truly, honestly, would hate somebody enough to give you, uh, you know, negative or, or, or very bad feedback. The rest will be, you know, sitting in the fence. And the way we've been building service for the last 10, 15 years, when we started doing customer satisfaction, it's been for you know pretty much uh, wishy-washy middle-of-the-road <laughs> questions. So, so what we ended up with as a result is like not very truthful feedback but rather what people thought that the interviewer wanted to ask. And I know this is like a long explanation, but what we have in, in contrast in social channels is like, you know, because people express their opinions as if they were talking to a trusted partner, to, to a friend, to somebody that they want to, you know, engage with, um, they tend to be more truthful. So whereas in a survey they will give you a seven, for example, when they talk to somebody else they will give them a five or a four or a six or even a nine or a ten in some cases. So that truthful information that we collect once we analyze it and we use it, we get much more, much more value out of that. And the second part of that is, you know, in addition to truthfulness, is also the sentiment analysis we can, we can you know, get out of that data. And the sentiment analysis combined with the truthfulness, combined with the aggregation, you know, yields extremely good insights that we couldn't get before. And, and are you finding that the tools out on the market, um, you know, I, I think, you know, for the most part my experience has been that Many of these tools do monitoring and reporting, you know, fantastic. But as far as conclusive, you know, uh, evidence, you know, that that sways the the company or the marketer in one way or another has been somewhat lacking. There's still this. Here's all this data. Here's all these reports. But you interpret it and you make up your mind. Are you seeing some tools on the market that are coming out a little bit different and actually helping helping companies? Um, you know, process the information to a point where they can make make a you know a solid uh, you know action based on the data. 
you're not talking about something that I would love to see, which is the automated insight production, automated insight, you know, reporting from from tools. I have seen some indications from vendors here and there, but none of the tools that I see, none of the implementations that I've seen, are truly at the point where I would say yes, you know, the, the change is coming. But you know, this, this is the holy grail of, of, of marketing and social these days: is to actually automate the generation of insights and reporting insights that not only become, you know, things that you couldn't see on your own, which is still pretty much the way we do insights today, but also accompanied by specific actions that you should take in order to leverage that insight. And that's going to be probably, you know, another. Uh, seven to ten years into the future before we get to that, and we'll see the first indications of working systems in four or five years for that. Um, you you and I are both looking forward to it, Espan. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Do we have Marty Thompson on the line? Marty, are you there? Oh, it doesn't it doesn't look like it. Uh, Marty is a is a big fan of yours, Esteban, and and, uh, and he was. Let me try it again. Marty, are you on the line? Uh, no, it doesn't look like he's on the line. Um, uh, Marty, technology, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's 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 part of the that's part of it. Let me, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hung up on him and see if he'll dial back in. So Marty, if you're listening, go ahead and dial back in, and I'll try to get you in again. Um, so as far who who are the companies? I mean, when you're working with, uh, obviously, you know, long time at Gardner, which is a which is just an absolutely incredible company from an analysis standpoint. On, on platforms and tools and keeping ahead of these technologies, uh, is it is it major media companies and and companies that are utilizing this technology that seek out your assistance, or is it the actual platform developers that you're working with on a day to day basis? Um, I, I, I put more emphasis on the platform and the vendor side, uh, you know, for for different reasons. One of them is like you know a lot of my uh, ideas and visions and uh, conclusions are more applicable for the uh, longer-term future, and I find um, most of the companies, you know, with very few exceptions, um, are very hard-pressed to deliver solutions today, not to create you know, visions and, and strategies for the future. So my, my work is divided yeah, about 80% on the vendor platform providers, about 20% on the end users, and uh, you know, most of the work that I do is on the advisory side, not as much consulting. I, I, I really hate to get my hands dirty, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I just try to tell people what to do, and then like you know, sit back and watch how they do it. <laughs> well, I want to take a short break. When we get back, let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, this message is from one of our our sponsors, a, a, a really special sponsor for us, Delibra, who's an email marketing firm. Um, they they really just give one on one customer service. Fantastic. Uh, we released a, a video today on Facebook and and Twitter for anybody following us that um, regionally they, they, they've been helping a couple of uh, charities uh, and really giving them some extra attention. And uh, just good, good folks. So let's, let's do a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 Best Places to Work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies. Delibra partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. Good guys, and uh, and thank them for their for their sponsorship. They've they've just been a fantastic company to work with. Uh, we have on the line Esteban. I was asking, you know, from an analyst point of view. Now, the other thing that I'm seeing in the industry is it really seems like even to this point, there's a new tool coming out. It, it seems like every single week now. I mean, we're having a we're on the marketing tech blog. We're having a really hard time keeping up with you know, all of the tools on the market. Um, it almost seems like 
some are now reaching different maturity levels that, you know, we truly have the ones that have grown and they're enterprise ready. Uh, and then we have this kind of middle market where they haven't figured out what they want to do yet, but they're experimenting. And then, of course, we have this humongous, you know, um, youth side to the industry where it's a tool popping out every week that does, you know, something, you know, special. Is is that kind of the same way that you view the market, or do you see, you know, other, you know, technology segments out there when you're looking for, you know, CRM, social CRM type tools? So, so, and let me tell you, if you think that you get a lot of like. Uh, tools that you have to see, I'm getting like 30 to 40 pitches a week for new tools, new people with ideas, et cetera, et cetera, that, that you know, somehow they, they, they seem to have found a solution that nobody else could. So it is, it is quite overwhelming, and, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is by no means an indication of a mature market. To the contrary, it's an indication of like a very early um, stage market, you know, the, the, the fast growth in the market. Uh, that, that we experience, and we'll probably continue for another six months to a year with with new solutions, ideas, and, and things that you know couldn't have been done a few years ago. That now we are actually amazingly doing very, very well. But um, you know, the question the, the back to your question. I mean, I I I tend to focus you know on tools a little bit. Uh, not because I don't think that the tools are good. I mean, to the contrary, I think that a lot of the innovation that we're seeing in tools is really very, very interesting. But it's more along the lines of, like, you know, where we see, we're seeing the innovation. If you look at the problem, right, and the problem is in communicating with channels, with customers through multiple channels, of which social is one of them, uh, you know, we're, we're focusing most of the tools that we see on the very early stage of what communicating means, which is, you know, we want to listen to customers, we want to capture the information, we want to try to get some value out of that. But, but it's still, for the most part, you know, company-centric and communication. All these tools that we're seeing are mostly created for the purpose of keeping, um, you know, making it easier for the marketers, making it easier for the companies to, to keep control of what's going on, not because they provide, you know, a lot of value. Um, although they're going to get an, a, a thousand emails after this, but not because they provide a lot of value in return to the customer. So, so you know, I, I'm looking at the tools as the early um, entry point for the market, and I'm, I'm working with, with you know a, a few a few vendors that are trying to extend from that. But most of the innovation that I'm seeing today is coming from you know that other hype uh, uh, you know place in the world, which is called the cloud, cloud computing. So I'm sure. spending a lot of time looking at platforms and spending a lot of time looking at cloud computing and trying to figure out you know how solutions would look. Uh, you know, in the, the, the immediate to intermediate uh, future when looking at what cloud can provide. And I, I think that, you know, if you spend the time in there, you're going to see how things are changing, are not at all related or, 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 you know, attributed to the social customer and the changes in, in channels, but rather to the changes in infrastructures and the changes in, in needs from companies that are actually looking at doing things in a different way. And that's that's a much more interesting place to be, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and and, uh, and of course the absolutely low barrier to entry for technology companies, you know, to 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 ramp up as well. You know, the fact that you know uh, a few years ago you had to have investment money just to get started, but now you really don't even need any investment money. You just need a you know a great developer that you can you know feed people in the corner to and 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 start pumping things out. Um, you know, we we and I and I think that's. You know, you said the 50 to 60 pitches a week. That's that's incredible. You know, and that's and that's I think part of this whole um, you know cloud movement and and utility type um, you know utility use of, of of technological resources is really really advancing the ability for people to just pop these out a lot easier and a lot quicker and a lot more sophisticated. Um, you know, without Having to buy hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in equipment and bandwidth and everything else. Yeah, I have a, I have a colleague who's also a, a, an analyst, and uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he came up with something that I thought it was very interesting, and you know, I'm still trying to figure out if it's true. So just in case it's not, I will leave his name out of this, and I'll just make <laughs> my statement here. But uh, what he said is like, you know, we moved away, we moved from. Uh, development cycles for products that used to take, you know, months, I mean, six months to, to, to a year, um, to, to development cycles that are taking two to three months at the most between agile technologies, cloud, 
and, and, and whatnot. We actually seen vendors release products every three months in the cloud, which they, they happen to be not just minor enhancements, but things that before would have taken you know, multiple years to, to get to the level of complexity, to the level of evolution. We are seeing that evolution now happening, like you know, months or even weeks in some cases. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I, you know, I think that it talks to what you were just saying. I mean, anybody with, with, with a garage and a weekend can actually create a new tool that will actually change the way we do things if they want. Well, and I, I think the yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, we we work with you know, there's one company here in town, Compendium, who's a you know a, a corporate blogging uh, provider that they were doing um, basically weekly releases, you know, and now they have long-term, you know, cycles as well. So they would put out, you know, partial pieces of code that led up to larger implementations on a monthly or quarterly basis. Um, but it, but the fact was is every single week they were releasing some kind of, you know, um, either significant feature security or, or stabilization, you know, released um, out to the wild. And, and uh it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating way to go and then we've seen actually I, I think a lot more efficiency in that with some of these companies as well because if you're piling up a once a quarter we worked for a company that that did that as well the once a quarter release you know they'd have 80 developers that would all basically um, all their code would conflict you know right before they were going to release and and they spent you know the last month just trying to untangle the you know the mess. Uh, so agile, agile is definitely you know the the direction. Um, Mar Marty was you know we were talking before the phone call and and of course we checked out your your site too, Thinkjar. And uh, one of the things that Marty was uh, talking about with me was the whole social collaboration field. Uh, Mindjet is a is a client of ours and and just great people. And uh, and and it's really amazing to me. It's opened my eyes. Um, to the tool sets that are starting to get out there that, you know, I always thought that when people talked about mind mapping, you know, I'm an old guy, so I always thought that that meant, you know, getting pieces of post-it notes and, and coming up with ideas and throwing them on a whiteboard. And I and I never even imagined this industry had kind of grown up around me without me, you know, even realizing it, that now people are actually putting these processes online, you know, in these incredible mind maps and then connecting these mind maps to real-life monitoring and reporting systems um, that enable this collaboration, communication, and monitoring, you know, way beyond the dreams of, you know, what we used to do in the past. You know, are, are, are you working in that space at all, that social social collaboration and, and um, mind mapping and process mapping space at all? If you look at the, the, the process of social collaboration and uh, you know all these things you're describing, this is basically the internal aspect of, of what we what we call social CRM, like you know the, the, the social tools, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to create tools for uh, consumption and use by, uh, by by customers, but it's also the the, the, the opposite of that. It's like you know if customers are going to be more active in social networks, if they're going to be more uh, demanding of uh, you know companies doing things in a different way. We need to change the infrastructures that we have, and this kind of goes to a certain extent. Yeah, a little bit into the cloud discussion we had earlier, but much more than that, to collaboration. I mean, the the talent that we have internally is you know very little known, if any. Uh, you know, there's very few companies, and, and I'm going to be generous by saying that there are some of them uh, that actually understand the concept that you know. Knowledge is not captured in a knowledge space that you, you get to index and you eventually one day you might or may not use. But knowledge is captured in like you know daily interactions, and this is where the collaboration, the social collaboration, internal collaboration comes come in. And we are seeing an immense amount of like you know changes. I mean, we've been trying to do some sort of knowledge management for so many years, and we failed you know in so many different ways. Mostly because we never recognized that you know we cannot tell people how to do knowledge management because they're already doing it. So we need to build platforms that allow them to do what they're already doing and, and capture that and use it in, in, in better in better ways. And that's what we're seeing today. I mean, mind mapping is one of those 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 tools, but also you know talent directories and, and internal collaboration and groups and and even activity streams. You know, as, as poor they are in, in, in value, they, they provide certain relief in some organizations. 
so there's there's a lot going on internal as well as externally, and it's all driven by the same, which is you know the changes that we've seen in the outside world in consumers and customers. They have to reflect in the marketplace, in the in, in the workplace as well as in the marketplace, because the same people that are consumers and customers are also workers and employees. And when they go to work, they expect to see the same that they see on, on their daily lives. You know, once they're outside of work. That's uh, uh, so well said. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. It's um, you know, it, it's the, a lot of our clients. You know, even even nowadays, you know, that old school thinking or that old mentality of um, you know, they think that consulting or, or you know, getting help from an agency or getting help from a company is is somehow a shopping list, you know, and 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 they come to us and they have a they have a budget and they have a checkoff list of what they want, and and in reality, it's totally different. It's totally different because of, like you said, the internal processes, the knowledge that they already have set up. The you know the methodologies that they're already utilizing internally that all changes how we're going to work with the company you know to 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 increase their productivity or or enhance their results and and I, I think a lot of people um, just haven't evolved to that point to understand that you know this is all an agile moving process and it's and it's moving faster than we've ever you know experienced it before it used to be that you bought a you know, an enterprise system once every 10 years. Then it was, you know, once a year. And now it's you're adding tools every month, you know, sometimes to, to, to the process to enhance, you know, the results that you're getting. And, and um, it's, it's interesting to see the, you know, the tools are still lagging, of course, um, but they're catching up as well. I mean, some of the stuff that you can do with the software today is absolutely amazing to capture those like you said, those streams, those activity streams, and and the the dialogue that's happening, and decisions that are made, and seeing the instantaneous results in real time, you know, um, data uh, that 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 with that, um, in order to to make constant adjustments to the way that you're moving and 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 the direction that you're going, and I think companies, yeah, and, and companies that are still looking at this as a you know ten year cycle. Uh, you know they're they're missing out, and the and the companies that are adopting this agile, you know, methodology of you know let's measure measure daily. We want to see over time, you know, what how we're how we're moving. But every day we want to measure and move, measure and move, so that we can always try to keep ahead of it. We're just seeing those companies just do leaps and bounds above the rest, and it's I think it's one of the reasons why young companies fare really well in an economy like this, and and older, you know, kind of stodgy conservative companies, um, you know, tend to be at, at more risk than um, than the younger ones. You know, it, it's <laughs> the ten-year cycle because there was a study done by IBM uh, for for the social business practice, you know, that was published a few months ago, and uh, basically what they said, what they concluded was. In the 1920s or early in last century, um, a company, an organization, you know, I hate to say company because, you know, companies don't, don't also exist anymore. I mean, they do, they do exist in the old-fashioned way, but new companies are not being created. Uh, but a, a, an old-fashioned company in the 1920s would have a, a, an average lifespan of about 70 years. And that means that, you know, their products that they created in the 1920s could last for about 70 years. You know, there, there were upgrades and changes. I mean, we're not talking, obviously, computer man, computer products. Uh, and software, but we're talking anyway. The, the products that they created, they lasted about, you know, 70 years. And they have different progress. You know, in the 1950s, uh, the, the company would last about 40 years. In the 1970s, it was about 30 years. You know, it comes to the point that today, any product, any company that you create has an has an average lifespan of 15 years. Um, in, and if you look at, you know, the last few years and the companies that are the largest companies today, companies like Google and Microsoft and and you know the new Apple, essentially, these are companies that 20 years ago did not. Existing 15 years ago, in some cases, they didn't exist to the extent that they are today, you know, right? And and as they continue forward, the prediction is that in in about 15 years from now, most companies and products created will be about two years. We'll, we'll have an average lifespan of two years, and you know, this is where the virtuality of uh, the workplace and the, the the way we will work and the, the future of the work the, the future of work comes in. And you know, we are going to see such a radical change in the way we do things that you're not going to be able to create a product that would require 
two, three, four, five years for implementation, but you're going to be able to create a utility that will, re that will require a few weeks to implement, a couple of years to enjoy, and then a few days to throw away and bring a new one, because that's the way that we're doing. That's the way we're going. And, and in order to re reply to that change in, the, uh, in society and the change in, in the world, not only is Agile necessary, but also virtual organizations. You cannot have an organization the size of, like, you know, pick your favorite, you know, mega monopoly in the world, uh, in telecommunications and airlines and travel and so forth. You cannot have these companies exist anymore where, you know, they, they, there's thousands and thousands of employees that, that in order to make a change will require years for everybody to agree and be trained and so forth versus a virtual organization that has access to the same level of resources through the cloud that any large organization and can turn in a dime and change exactly entirely what they do. This is reflected today. A lot of the startups, early startups that we see in the world of uh, social and in the world of uh, uh, analytics, two years ago they were doing something different in most cases. And a lot of them actually, you know, as much as I heard the word pivot, they, they, they pivoted and they changed dramatically from what they were doing to something else. And all of a sudden they went from like nothing to being extremely powerful and successful. And that's, you know, the future that, that we're going towards. And that's where, like, you know, customers and consumers and employees need to begin to understand how to work better in that model. Uh, it's it's uh, outstanding, and, and I think you know companies, uh, even in the way that that companies are run, has to be you know totally different. I I, I remember way back in I mean this is showing my age, but you know back in the early '90s, I was I was reading about uh, the folks that that discovered Gore-Tex, and that's the you know the waterproof material that that a lot of the um, back then the, all of the high-end you know sports equipment was made out of, and and the uh, the CEO had a theory that once you got to a certain level of employees, I think it was something like 300 employees, that 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 the process got so slow that it actually pushed ingenuity out and safety in, and 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 companies stopped innovating at that point. So his his whole methodology for growing his company was that Gore-Tex became more of a menu. And he would pop up a new company and give them that menu, and but they were free to do whatever else they wanted. And so he wound up with a lot of different companies with less than 300 employees, and one would get into food chemistry, another one in fabric, another one in military, and uh, and all of the companies stayed innovative. And I think, um, you know, I was reading in the Plex a while back, and it seems like Google kind of utilizes that same approach where, you know, they have these autonomous teams, you know, that are free to do what they want with no real layers of decision management in the process. It's more test it, try it, um, and kill it if it doesn't work, and keep it if it does, and merge it if it's a good feature that can be pulled into somewhere else. And uh, it seems like that that's the direction that, you know, the, most companies need to go to if they want to stay agile. The old, the old siloed, you know, layers of management are just are just killing and destroying these companies nowadays. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because essentially, if you look at one of the like you know most innovative companies of the the new large behemoth, right, which would be Google. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when Google started, every single employee, and I think that to a certain extent it's true today, but it's different because of the people that they, they're hiring, but every single employee was, was you know, um, allowed or recommended or whatever word you want to you wanna use to describe that, to spend 10 to 20% of their time in, like, you know, new projects, innovative ideas, you know, things that were, like, essentially, for the most part, you know, throw away, uh, you know, right. to, to be kind, right? And And once they got to a certain size, that was almost impossible. So, I mean, what you see today, even though they may still do that, you don't see the high speed of innovation that, that Google was known for, you know, in, in the early days. You don't see that anymore. You don't see them coming up with, like, you know, great products like Google Maps, Google Voice, you know, and, and some of the acquisitions that they integrated, Android and things like that. You're not seeing that anymore. And, and I think that, you know, what you said is, is, is true. It's like, you know, as we actually become more, uh, diversified, more, you know, distributed as a, as a race of sorts, we're going to start seeing more and more that we cannot sustain, you know, the, the pace of what we've been doing 
driving all these like you know very large organizations to to sizes that are unmanageable and try to you know expect them then to provide some level of innovation and uh, you know I I, I know a colleague of mine Michael Maosa Gardner is uh, is very fond of saying innovation comes from the fringes but I think that that's entirely what we we have been seeing for a long time we'll continue to see we are not going to see large organizations actually become innovative and change the way that we will live and we will work but we will see the smaller virtual startups that we're discussing become, you know, the, the driving force for societal, uh, you know, workplace and marketplace changes in the years going forward. Wow. Yeah. It, it, I, I love that saying, in, 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 <laughs> that it starts on the fringes. Innovation starts on the fringes. I, I, I think that's absolutely true. And we, we've adopted a technology or, or a process, or I'm not even, I guess it's a framework that you would call it, and it's called, uh, row results only work environment um, for our own company, and that's basically that we don't have working hours or established offices. Or um, we do have an office downtown, but it's everybody's you know welcome to come and go as they please. It's more of a, a convenient place to go and work. And and but the the goal is to take time out of the productivity equation and just simply put in results as far as as what we you know what we expect. Um, you know our employees to accomplish, and 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 I think it's a, a step forward in that direction too. That it 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 fosters a lot more innovation and a lot more self uh, reliance with our employees. That um, they're responsible to get things accomplished, and they make sure that they're accomplished, and and they don't have a manager to you know handhold them or stop them or or anything. Uh, that 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 type of stuff is absolutely fascinating to me, and I think we could. We could talk about that for hours, but let's let's talk about you some more. I want to take a short break. This one from uh, Zoomerang. Zoomerang is also a um, uh, they were purchased by SurveyMonkey, and and uh, and we're helping both those folks. Uh, great, great companies, um, and and this is a short uh, ad from Zoomerang, one of our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to survey your customers or employees but thought it was just going to take too much time or cost too much? Well, it doesn't have to. With Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls, you can sign up for free and send an unlimited number of surveys and polls. It takes just minutes to create and send a professional-looking survey. Zoomerang makes it easy to get started with a newly updated user interface and over 100 professional templates you can customize. It's easy, fast, and best of all, free. The data you get from surveys can be invaluable to help you make better business decisions and plan for the future. Get started today by signing up for a free account at Zoomerang.com. And uh, we're on with Esteban Kolsky. I, I wanted to... To, well, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today, Esteban. I know on a Friday afternoon it's, it's sometimes tough, but this has been an amazing, you know, conversation of of, of where the industry is heading. Um, for people that want to get a hold of you, ThinkChart is your is your blog. Uh, it's absolutely I, I, I've been reading it and and wish I had known about it two years ago. Um, but it's just an amazing collection of real data, real stats that you help and discuss. Um, uh, with people that that come to your blog, you're an open and transparent blogger. I absolutely love it. I saw open criticisms of some companies and and encouragement of others. Uh, I, I really, really, it was it was really refreshing to see that kind of uh, that kind of transparency. So kudos, kudos, my hats off to you for that. And then um, people can find you on Twitter. Oh, I see. Sometimes. I, uh, my my uh, Twitter handle is uh, E Kolsky, E K O L S K Y. Uh, my blog, like you said, is thingchart.net. And uh, I, I'm one of those weird people that chose to get out of Facebook, so I, I don't frequent or exist in Facebook. I do have a profile in LinkedIn that I use as an electronic Rolodex. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, mostly talks about my use of social networks in a way that works for me. I mean, Facebook to me was a very personal, private channel. And I started getting a lot of pressure from uh, work uh, acquaintances and work partners and clients to, to add into my networks. And I had to, I made the decision to get out of Facebook as opposed to, like, you know, have that conflict. Uh, and uh, it, for me, it's been actually a, a, a learning experience more than anything. Uh, but, you know, I, I, do, I do have access to Facebook and I, I do see what's going on and I do use it in my 
work daily. It's just don't do it from the personal point of view. Understood. Yeah, and and I I I absolutely respect that. You know, I find I find you know Facebook. There's an expectation with our with my followers and readers to to be there, but it's a it's a it's a time suck. You know, I mean, it really takes it out of me, and I'm. I'm not sure that it – well, I, it's not that I'm not sure. I know that it doesn't provide value that just having um, having the marketing tech blog out there does and, and having people come and uh, meet, discuss, and, and promote, you know, the, the things that we're talking about. So I absolutely respect that. So um, thinkjar.net is Eslam's uh, uh, blog. Please go out there and, and check it out. It's, it's fascinating and ecolsky. Uh, the Twitter address. Are you speaking anywhere anytime soon, or or attending any oh, conference? I, I'm doing quite a bit. I mean, I'm starting. Uh, this is my only week at home from now until probably November, um, and I'm doing a lot of work over the summer with with clients. All is now uh, being recorded. I'm doing nope. a lot of uh, work. Go ahead. I'm doing a lot of work with I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm doing a lot of work with clients over there. Over the summer, but I'm uh, I'm, I'm in panels and doing for pretty much the rest of the year. Um, I'm planning other events with some clients for for the latter part of the year. Uh, you know those uh, wonderful the five six uh, city tours in two days type of things. Oh, they're so popular. <laughs> so um, you know probably the, the you know I'm going to be at NetSuite World next week in a panel. Um, after that, I'm going to Europe for a couple events. Uh, at the end of the year, at the end of the month, I'm going to be in London speaking at a social business summit, and the following I'm in Milan. Uh, after that, I'm going to take some time off. We're going to be doing the uh, CRM Idol competition, which is something that is actually quite quite interesting, and uh, I'll give you a few more details. And uh, that's through the month of July and September, October begins the second half of the year as far as conferences and uh, attendance to uh, events from vendors and so forth. So that's going to be pretty busy. CRM Evolution is in there. Um, in Santa Clara and a few other places we're going to be speaking. So, I mean, I I, I I don't have a calendar online that I support anymore, but it's easy to find me. Just type my name on Google. And the, the, the nice thing about my name is, like, you know, I'm the only person with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, do you use any tools like Lanyard or or TripIt or anything like that? I, I use them all, and actually the, this year I made it a point to close everything to bring an added value. And uh, I'm down to, seriously, Twitter and LinkedIn as the tools that I use, and I don't have any add-ons in there. I found out that using TripIt and Plancast and Lanyard and all these things would actually add, take, a couple extra days to, to, to four days a month just for maintenance every time that I had to make a change or I had to, to plan something. I mean, I, I do so many events that it becomes almost impossible to keep track of everything and keep everything updated. So, you know, understood value to me or anybody else, I, I decided to discontinue it. For, uh, for folks that, you know, obviously you, you've got leaders that you follow in the industry, What's, what are a couple of the key events that, People, you know, in the CRM and social CRM space, they they just have to go see it. They have they have to go to them. I so I would say first of all, I mean, uh, you know, I I am I'm not at odds with my former employer. I still think that the CRM show from Gardner, by far, the best in the industry. And I go every couple of years, um, mostly because I, I I understand how it works and uh, how the content is updated. And, uh, you know, I would not recommend anybody go every year, but I would definitely recommend going every couple of years and, you know, where the market is heading and what's going on. Um, for CRM, there's also CRM Evolution. That happens in the first or second week in, uh, I think, second week in August this year um, in New York City, which is not a very popular time to be in New York City, but it's an excellent show that uh, changed dramatically in the last few years since uh, Paul Greenberg took over. And uh, he basically changed from being a vendor event to being a, a thought leader driven event where we you get to see a lot of what the independents are talking about and doing and it's a very good show as well um there's a um there's a social business uh, international forum that happens in milan italy every year in the first week in june today event is about 1200 people 
and that's a great place to be if you want to learn from uh, practitioners. There's, there's virtually no vendors presenting, although there's a few booths for vendors. But the event is driven by users and practitioners, and uh, you know, by uh, practitioners and users. So it's an excellent place to be if you want to find out more about social business. Uh, and, and then, I mean, Sugar, Sugar Con, Sugar CRM that just happened in San Francisco. Um, every year they devote entire track to social CRM and thought leadership, which is really interesting because Sugar is just barely getting started on what social CRM is, but they wanted to make sure that there was a, a, a public platform to discuss all these things. So they, they've been running for three years running, and that we just finished the, the third edition of the social CRM track. And it, it's been an incredible place to see what's going on and to understand it and all that. So there's there's a few places. I, I would definitely recommend, you know, following the social CRM blog on CDNet from um, you know, and, and follow a couple other people like uh, uh, Brian Velmier and uh, Mitch Lieberman. They are doing a phenomenal job of promoting what social CRM is these days, and they, they all can be found very easily. I mean, we 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 all tweet, expose ourselves sufficiently that if you go online and type those names, you should be able to find them. Fantastic. Well, hey, I, uh, once again, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I mean, it's been a just a really thoughtful conversation and, and getting some insights into, you know, where this is all going is really helpful. Um, give us a call anytime, Esteban, and, and uh, if you need us to promote something for you on the Marketing Tech blog, please, please don't hesitate. And uh, we look forward to our paths crossing again, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, you know, you will learn with time that I'm the absolute worst marketer in the world. I don't even know how to promote myself for anything I do, so... <laughs> I rely on the I rely on the good old fashioned Well we'll we'll help you we'll help you however we can and, and I'm sorry that Marty wasn't able to we had some phone issues that we weren't able to get him on, but Marty's a, a huge fan too and, and I'm sure he's he's gonna follow up with you. He we've been um Marty's been given some thought to, you know, kinda getting a, a a really a thought leadership kind of committee together on some of these issues um, and getting people's opinions. So we, we'll, we'll be in touch. Terrific. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. It was a fascinating, fascinating talk as well. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Well, thanks everybody for joining us this Friday and uh, we hope you have a fantastic weekend. This is uh, Doug Garner uh, on the Marketing Tech Blog radio show. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.